You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rick, being joined by Jackson Moore, publisher of thebarkboard.com. Jackson, how are you doing today after this uh, wet day today that we're having? <laughs> I'm doing all right, Lucio. Yeah, it's uh, different weather than we've had all season for Fresno State football. They, they were actually practicing on the turf in the stadium today, which I don't think they've done since uh, fall camp. So uh, a little bit of a, a different atmosphere as this thing comes to a close. Yeah, all of a sudden we we go through the whole season weather beautiful all season long. We get to to the last game of the season and it looks like it's going to be forecast rain for San Jose, uh which should make for an interesting matchup uh especially, you know, for us who are going to be down on the field. We're going to need to pack some extra ponchos, right, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, and uh, the garbage bags and everything else to keep the equipment safe. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it should make for an interesting game. But before we head into that San Jose game, uh, we have to talk about what was a very big disappointment for the Bulldogs as they faced uh, Nevada here at home last week. Uh, ended up losing another heartbreaker. It seems like that's been the trend this year um, against Nevada here at home for the Bulldog faithful on senior night. Uh, not exactly the outcome that uh, everyone was hoping for, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, um, leaving San Diego State, falling to four and six the week before, and playing a Nevada team that had beaten San Diego State uh, didn't seem like the odds were going to be good for Fresno State. But then all of a sudden they're projected as fourteen point favorites by the odds makers. Uh, I think it kind of put a little bit of a, a pet back into everyone's step going into the game. But uh, ultimately, um, regardless of some latest injuries and some uh, different emotions coming off of uh, missing out on the Mountain West West Division. The game pretty much played out very similarly to a lot of the losses the Bulldogs have already had. A sixth loss of 10 points or less, and eerily similar to the Utah State home game that was most previously played, a poor offensive series towards the end of the game sets up their opponent with the game-winning score. And uh, Nevada's touchdown with, uh, I believe, 12 seconds left uh, was really another punch in the gut to a season full of heartbreak. Now this game uh, against Nevada, I, I know I've said this quite a, a quite a bit this season, but this one in in particular, this was a very odd game uh, of turn of events on how this game kind of played out uh, throughout the night. I mean, you've got uh, Nevada coming out with a fast start, uh, really doing what they needed to do, then Fresno State answering back with a, a number of scores. And then getting shut out the remainder of the game uh, as Nevada just continues to to dominate the the rest of the game, it, it just it, it seems like this has kind of been the mo for the Bulldogs this season. Is you never know what team is gonna gonna be out there. Uh, the only thing that we know is you know this team's been inconsistent. The only thing that we know that has been consistent all season long is that the Bulldogs have been inconsistent all season long. <laughs> so uh, another one of those games that the Bulldogs just couldn't put a game plan together from start to finish. Uh, is that what you were picking up on this game, exactly what was going on there, Jackson? Yeah, and inconsistency has been the story, and it's not just been from week to week. It's been from quarter to quarter a lot of games, and that's been 
probably the most bizarre thing to me throughout this season. I mean, the beginning of the game, very similar to Colorado State that came into Bulldog Stadium. The Rams jumped all over the Bulldogs, went up 21-7 early, put up a ton of yards, and then it kind of swung back into Fresno State's favor as the defense settled in. Uh, this was very similar this past weekend with Nevada jumping out to a 14-0 lead. You're, you're almost wondering if the Bulldogs are packing it in at that point. There's not a lot to play for, and if uh, they fall any further behind, they're probably not going bowling. And then the next thing you know, they rattle off 28 points themselves. feels like they're up 28-14. They're going to get out with a win, and everyone's going to feel good. And then it swings back in the other direction. And then a game that started very similar to the Colorado State game and very similar to the Utah State game all three of which uh, were losses now, including Nevada. So it's been a an unusual season, and it's been one that you can understand some factors why Fresno State would have taken a step back this season. But at the same time, I mean, they were close in six of those seven losses. Even the other loss to Air Force, they were winning at halftime. I think it's been you know, a season of adversity, but also a season of a, a lot of missed opportunities and games that even though – Things were going against them. They had opportunities to win, and they let it get through. Uh, let it get away from them, and another one happened with Nevada. And it just seems like, uh, for the most part, the common thread throughout this whole season has been that the Bulldogs have been riddled by injuries throughout this whole season. Do you think that that's been a, a major factor of what has happened to the Bulldogs this season? Or or is it just simply, you know, one of those years where it's going to be kind of a, a rebuilding year and, and injuries probably wouldn't have mattered throughout this season? You know, it's been a big part of it. But at the same time, the, the team's been so close in a lot of these games, it's hard to use it as an excuse because even with all the injuries, they were very much in just about every game this season. And uh, with the players that they had out there, they were just a few plays away from winning just about all of those games and they couldn't get it done. But especially the offense, which is the interesting thing to me because statistically the offense hasn't taken that much of a step backwards. But you're talking about a team that's got 21 offensive linemen on the roster and 11 of them have been hurt. And, uh, I mean, the, you don't have 21 offensive linemen on the roster to all play. You're usually uh, having some walk-ons and some guys that are more project players at the back six spots or so. So um, it's been rough there. You talk about three running backs that all went out with season-ending injuries. Uh, it's just been really ugly up there between the line and the running back unit. But um, defensively, I don't think it's been as big of a problem, and they seem to be the side that has taken the biggest step back, which has been surprising to me. Um, they lose Jasad Haynes in the second game of the season. That was a, a blow. And uh, Isaiah Johnson has been played hurt and then was out for the rest of the season from there a few weeks back. Uh, they were without Kwame Jones, who was, I mean, a returning starter who basically wasn't available for eight games at defensive end. There's just been, you know, they were able to plug some of those holes for a while, but um, it's just been a, a crazy amount of injuries. I've counted 17 season-ending injuries in all. I think last year's team couldn't have had more than four or five, uh, at least of notable players. And it's been uh, a really rough season as far as injuries go relying on a lot of young players to step in that may have already needed to step in just because the Bulldogs were replacing a lot from last year. But uh, it's definitely been elevated given all the injuries they've suffered this season. Now it's pretty much been a, a it's 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 pretty much a double edged sword when you when you stop to think about it seventeen seventeen uh, season ending injuries which means a lot of these younger guys are going to have to step up and play 
which in, in you know in retrospect is bad now for the Bulldogs, but for the future, it's probably a good thing for the Bulldogs, don't you think, Jackson? Oh yeah, in a lot of aspects. I mean, the Bulldogs have played. I believe it. Uh, They've started eight true freshmen uh, throughout the course of the season, and I think nine or ten have played this year. Uh, I mean, that's pretty unheard of. Last year, uh, Isaiah Johnson and Sherwin King were the only two freshmen that played uh, as true freshmen last year, and um, King ended up redshirting. So, I mean, just the the contrast from 2018 and 2019 when it comes to the freshmen has been tremendous. And just looking back on this decade, uh, this year's group of freshmen has played a lot more players than any year has over the past 10 seasons. And there were a few freshman Bulldogs that would probably be playing right now if they hadn't got hurt themselves. Uh, Peyton Dixon at running back was expected to be a factor this year. Uh, He went down in fall camp. Uh, Freshman Dante Adkins at offensive line at the tackle position was not a, uh, he ended up being a second teamer, then got injured at the time. It didn't look like they would need him. But at this point of the season, when four of the starting offensive linemen from the beginning of the year are out, maybe he would have been a guy that would be playing right now. So, I mean, there's just been a lot of freshmen that have been relied on and a few more that will probably be uh, potential contributors next season too. But now that they will, they will have all that experience underneath them and, it seems to translate when the Bulldogs have a, a big class of freshmen that play about two or three years down the road. That's They seem to be the core of the big runs that the Bulldogs have had. You see it with the 2013 team. A lot of those seniors and juniors were playing as true freshmen. And the same with the 2018 team. Uh, that big class of 30 seniors that the Bulldogs had last year, a lot of them played a lot as true freshmen. So uh, it definitely seems to translate towards the future. And this is one where Fresno State can hopefully if they can get enough of a bump next season from year one to year two from those guys, they can get this thing back on course and not spiral out of control like we saw with the last coaching staff. Yeah, and that's uh, and that's going to be the key is trying to make sure that it's not back-to-back losing seasons for the Bulldogs, uh, which is not something that the Bulldog faithful is, is used to seeing uh, around here. Uh, granted, you know, this, this season's one of those anomaly seasons of just how many players went down with injuries, uh, that it's, uh, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to watch. I mean, you just, you go out there and you're, you're seeing that these guys are, are, are trying as hard as they can, but they, they're just dropping like flies out there (laughs) and it just doesn't make for, uh, an, an easy year, uh, especially on the depth chart. Uh, I mean, we saw the offensive line's been decimated. The the running back position uh, very thin after you know coming into the season. You and I both thought that that was going to be one of their strengths was going to be that running uh, game, and then all of a sudden it, it's down to like two contributors. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean <laughs> yeah. it leaves you scratching your head, right, Jackson? Yeah, I'll tell you a site I saw at practice this week. Uh, the last two days, actually. Natane Muti, who was the Bulldogs team captain, supposed to be a star lineman of the offensive line, in a wheelchair being pushed by Cyrus Tuatelli, who's got a back injury and street clothes, and he can barely get around himself. Uh, the two of those guys were a, a sight to see at practice this week. They're the guys that you thought would be the most you know, empowering, menacing offensive linemen and contributors on the whole team are struggling to, to get up and down the, the ramp at Bulldog Stadium. Uh, Matt Smith as well at the starting center. He's been having to be carted around when he goes to practice. He's still dealing with the really bad leg foot injury. So it's been um, the the walking wounded out at practice. And then you look at the starting offensive line right now 
which surprisingly has actually fared pretty well. I mean, it was ugly the first few weeks of the season, actually, when some of those starters were still around. Uh, except for the San Diego State game, I think the O-Lions played better the last five games or so than they did to start the season. And you're talking about uh, true freshman, Bula Schmidt, redshirt freshman, Tyrone Sampson, and and Jace Fuamatu, those kinds of guys, uh, a walk-on with Nick Abodefi as a senior, um, just the, the cast of characters that we didn't expect to really see play at all this season. And um, even though that they've been all kind of thrusted out there and it's a far cry from the O-line that we expected to see, uh, the offense still put up quite a bit of points. And uh, Reyna hasn't been having to, to scramble for his life quite as much uh, in the late October and November like he was uh, the first month of the season. And and that's one thing you one player you kind of have to feel for. I mean, here here he is in his senior year, uh, finally gets a chance to to start uh, this season, and only to be having to scramble for his life, uh, game in and game out because the offensive line's been decimated. Don't really have much of a, a run game to help support because both the running game, run, the running backs are down in the depth chart, and so is the the offensive line, which really puts a strain on Reyna and and to be all honest it's it's kind of unfair for for his senior season to try and go out there and make something happen when he's already behind the eight ball um you know he, he did go down this last game uh, against Nevada for for a play and in comes in the, the backup quarterback and it throws a t- throws a touchdown that honestly he was trying to throw away the ball, right, Jackson? <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, and then now you've got fans kind of wondering, what if we played him now? I mean, is that at all fair to Reyna right now, Jackson? You know, it's definitely a tough spot for Reyna, and uh, he did end up getting sacked four times against Nevada, which was one of the worst this past season or the, throughout the season. But um, I think they did a good job of settling him settling him in a little bit more against San Diego State. There was really nothing going. He was under pressure just about every play and spent the whole game basically scrambling, trying to run, and the U.S. saw him really try to force some things leading to the three interceptions that he threw. Uh, against Nevada, he took a lot. He took twice as many sacks, but I think for the most part he was able to settle in and stay in the pocket and uh, not force nearly as much. Um, he was willing to take those sacks and not try to make the big play except for you know he had a, a sack that he lost quite a bit of yardage and that really hurt the Bulldogs in the second half he had the one interception um, but otherwise 27 for 37 261 yards three touchdowns completed 73 percent of his passes and uh, that was one of his better days as you look at the the stats overall that's just been a season where uh, you look at the stat sheet and he's been adequate a lot of games. He hasn't thrown a whole lot of touchdowns. He hasn't thrown a whole lot of passing yards, but he's been very efficient completing the ball in most of the games this season. And I think when you ask the coaches, you know, if they have the same type of frustration that a lot of the fans do, they really don't express that at all. But the hard thing has been when you get in late in games and he's made critical mistakes that has in some games cost them a chance to win or the win itself and um, it's been tough for a lot of the, the red wave to swallow. And I think that you know, it's come to a point where maybe in retrospect, they might have wanted to do something else at, at some point. But he was playing, I think, just good enough to where it was tough to make a change. And the Bulldogs, all they have on their roster, aside from Raynar, four freshmen, two redshirt freshmen. And we finally saw one of them throw a pass against Nevada. And as you mentioned, Coach Tedford claimed that 
Ben Woldridge was throwing it away on that touchdown pass, uh, but it was definitely a welcome sight to see for Fresno State fans to, to watch that play unfold and uh, have that touchdown pass thrown in that uh, situation. But one more game, it looks like the Bulldogs are going to stick it out with Reyna. It's been a tough season. He's been had some tough circumstances, but uh, one more game, and then it's all up for grabs on uh, Sunday for a class of uh, – Four returning quarterbacks, and then Jake Hayner, who's been waiting his turn as a transfer, who has been ineligible this season. Now, it, it, you know, you mentioned Hayner and all this, uh, all the, the all the quarterbacks on the team there. Uh, you know, what do you see going into the future here for the Bulldogs, especially at that quarterback position? Uh, now that Reyna will be departing this season, you know, what's what? How do you see this playing out amongst the the quarterbacks right now? I talked to um, offensive coordinator Ryan Grubb uh, this afternoon about what things are, how it's shaping up going into after this weekend. <laughs> the competition essentially starts, and they feel like they have some options between Ben Woldridge and Stephen Comstock, who have been uh, the understudies this year as redshirt freshmen, and then of course Jake Hayner, who came in as the transfer from Washington. Um, Wooldridge is more of a, a pocket passer and we've seen him play in two games now but he's only gotten to throw that one pass so he's been the established number two quarterback all season long but there are not many in the public have actually gotten to see what he can do a little bit of a surprise he was kind of a, an under recruited player out of high school only had the offer from Fresno State when he committed early and um, you know, not someone we expected to be the, in the number two role this early when the Bulldogs lost Hunter Riquet, who was a junior college quarterback transfer uh, in the spring, uh, that kind of forced him into that role, I think. Comstock has been a quarterback that has been impressive with his athleticism. I think he's not quite as far along with his arm, at least according to what some of the coaches have been saying. And that doesn't mean that he's not in the race by any means. Uh, and he's certainly improving his arm, but definitely an interesting athlete they've used on kickoff coverage he's actually got a tackle this season which is uh, about unheard of when it comes to quarterbacks but he's definitely going to be in that mix and then Jake Hayner who you know all on paper for all circumstances should be the heavy favorite for this thing um, he does have to uh, come in with a little less knowledge of the system and he's basically been a scout team quarterback this season given his eligibility situation so hasn't really had a chance to run a lot of the playbook or anything. But in terms of perceived talent and the background, it should be Hayner's job to lose. But you are talking about two other quarterbacks that have been here for two years going on three and are going to try to make their own splash. And the Bulldogs also have a pair of freshman walk-ons, Blaze McKibben and Nate Lamb, uh, who are three-star guys. They're not your typical walk-ons. And they should get their first real chance at some reps this spring and see if they can make a some sort of impact as well should be for an interesting offseason right Jackson uh, <laughs> especially at that quarterback position now uh, you know there's plenty of talent there the question is 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 who is ready to make that next level step up to 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 claim that position and you know there is no shortage of talent on the wide receiving core so that shouldn't be an excuse right Jackson <laughs> yeah and the Bulldogs only lose uh, Darion Grimm the senior and uh, Frank Delana as a walk-on in that group as well uh, a lot of players flash for this season uh, for the Bulldogs this season young and new receivers uh, not many really took over as individual stat leaders but you can see the Bulldogs do have a good five six options at least and We'll see if one or two of those guys kind of emerge with the new quarterback next season. 
Yeah, so it's it should be interesting. The Bulldogs are set up to have some very big years ahead of them uh, once they get through this season, of course. Should they stay healthy? Now, we've seen what happens when they're not healthy, right, Jackson? And these 17 <laughs> season-ending injuries, if they can avoid that next year, they should have a better uh, a better season next year, obviously. Um, but before they, they head off into the offseason, they've got one more game to play, and that's against San Jose State. Their bitter rival here, uh, and it, it is basically, you know, like you and I said before the we got on the podcast— this is going to be their bowl game. This is the bowl game for both of these teams since they've been mathematically eliminated from a post-game matchup. Uh, but they will have something on the line to play for, and that is the Valley Cup um, trophy, uh, which, you know, it's kind of fitting, Jackson. You know, it, you're not going to a bowl game, but you still have a trophy to play for in the last game of the season, right, Jackson? Yeah, and there's going to be something to that, uh, especially for San Jose State, who has not had much success the past couple of years. Uh, right now, they're sitting at an equal four and seven record, and this could be, you know, something that they fell. They're much like the Bulldogs in the fact that they've lost a lot of close games this year, and they're not very far off from being a bowl team. But they are still also a young team that hasn't won a lot of games over their time at San Jose State. And they're a coaching staff that hasn't won a lot of games. And if even if they miss a bowl, if they can win game number five on Saturday and hold that trophy up, uh, could mean a lot to that program that has not had much success over the past couple of years. And for Fresno State, while this seems quite meager compared to the success that they had the last two years, you are also talking about a big group of freshmen and new players on the team that hasn't necessarily experienced the success that some of the other Bulldogs had and the past Bulldogs had the last two years particularly for the freshmen who have been playing really hard and competing but not getting to experience the joy of winning very often. Uh, this could really kind of catapult them into the offseason and the following year where uh, both teams are going to be searching for that kind of motivation to really put in the work this offseason and, and turn things around for the following year. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, interesting to see how both teams uh, approach this game. We both know they uh, there is not a shortage of hate for each other <laughs> in this one. Uh, both teams send, uh, you know, seem to really love giving it to the other. So if one of them could kind of get a leg up on the other, they're going to take that advantage uh, if they can, just just so they can have bragging rights. If not for bragging rights for this game. But bragging rights, at least for recruiting wise, right, Jackson? Since they both typically recruit the same type of players, usually. Yeah, and this is going to be a year I think they're going to bump heads a little more often. Um, and in the past, Fresno State, or the last two years since they changed the rules with the new early signing period, uh, Fresno State's basically locked up their whole class by the end of December. And San Jose State's been one of those teams that gets a couple guys in December and then sweeps up whoever's left around in January and February. And now I think most of the Mountain West is in a situation where they haven't been able to load up much this year. It's been a, a different kind of uh, reaction by this year's class of recruits. Most of the guys are jumping on their Power 5 offers, and I think a lot of the, the big schools are going to be just about locked up by December. But the Mountain West has kind of had to wait their turn and – uh, a lot of guys that I think are going to be still around with, uh, you know, in January and February when there are not as many spots open for the Power Five, they're going to have to kind of go the, the Mountain West kind of route. 
And that's going to be a case where Fresno State and San Jose State are going to be looking to, to pounce on a lot of those players. Um, again, Central Valley, Bay Area, even Southern California, both teams are all in all those areas recruiting as hard as they can. And uh, they're both two teams right now that don't venture out of California very often to recruit. So uh, the Bulldogs have definitely had the leg up uh, for the past few years, but uh, the Spartans do seem to get you know, a handful of those guys that you would kind of expect to see on a Fresno State recruiting class, those um, kind of under-the-radar guys or the three-star, high-ranking three-stars with a couple of Power 5 offers, they've been able to, to get in that realm a little bit, and they should be uh, competing recruiting classes this year a little more closely than the last couple, I bet. Yeah, and and so this is going to be kind of one of those games where you know not only you get bragging rights for for whoever wins this game, but also for for recruiting, especially like you said, they're going to be going head to head more often uh, this season as far as trying to pick up some of those uh, late uh, signees for for their recruiting class. So it's going to be interesting to watch to see just how that kind of develops as as we head into the off season. But you know, Jackson, before we before we jump into this San Jose game and kind of try to break it down a little bit, you know, I I can't move forward without actually talking about the last game, uh, Nevada, that ending, how that game ended. Uh, it was it was one of those where it just didn't seem like it was going to go the Bulldogs' way, and it just ended up being where Nevada took control of that ball. But there was a lot of different back and forth action that just seemed very unorthodox or, or or just out of out of the ordinary for the Bulldogs D- do you kind of agree on those last possessions in that in that game against Nevada how things kind of shook out there towards the end yeah I did not expect the Bulldogs to air it out there back to their own three yard line with a minute and 40 seconds to go um you know, there was a, not a good situation for an offense to be in in general. And uh, I thought the Bulldogs might just try to at least you know, run the ball on first down and see if they pick up a big gain and maybe try to go to that two minute drill or if they just try to run out the clock. I think Nevada had one timeout left. And uh, they were, if the Bulldogs just tried to run out the clock, the Wolfpack were, I believe, going to get at least a few seconds left on the clock to try to do something and probably have good field position. But um, I think the Bulldogs played right into their hands. I mean, again, as we'd mentioned, Reyna didn't have the best protection against Nevada. He backed up into his own end zone, uh, trying to throw the ball. It's been a struggle in late games with him as well. And uh, from the very first snap, I mean, it launched a pass out of bounds to get rid of the ball. Uh, I think Nevada even, they were crying for a safety on that play for an intentional grounding in the end zone. They might have had a case for it, and from that play on, I think it kind of snowballed because now you're in a point where you can't run out nearly as much of the clock if you try to run. And so the Bulldogs double down on the pass two more times, getting nothing even remotely close to going and punt the ball to Nevada for a very good field position with a minute and 20 still on the clock. Uh, you know, Coach Tedford said he was trying to play to win, be aggressive. I mean, he's talking about the criticism he might have faced with almost two minutes on the clock and two timeouts to run the ball and, and run out the clock and play for overtime, that might not have been a good look he was feeling. But I just think the circumstances of being so close to your end zone, having so far to go, I was really anticipating them to just run the ball. And I think looking at the faces around me, and the, the photographers and then the people in the crowd, they all seem to be a little bit surprised as well. And I think, you know, I don't often... Uh, 
question oh, some of the coaching calls, but that was one from the very beginning. I, I didn't quite, I wasn't on, on the same page with that. And it ultimately did play right into the Wolfpack's hands. And, um, you know, I think it was even more evident the way that they played that one was not going to work compared to the Utah State game where they also punted on fourth and one and Utah State suddenly basically just had to kick in a field goal just a few plays later. Uh, I think this one was even more egregious. Now it's it's it seems like it's one of those uh, one of those games where the the bulldog coaching staff uh, either tried to get too cute with their playing call their play calling or just simply outsmarted themselves. Right, Jackson. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you th- you're, you're going to try to do something that they're not going to expect, and obviously you should have done what they were expecting. It probably would have been a different turnout, <laughs> right, Jackson? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're going to pass there, you got to make sure it's something short, something that uh, is completable, that keeps the clock moving and gets the ball at least out of your end zone. You know, instead, you not only end up throwing three incomplete passes, but you're backed up on all three of those plays. None of them were very good situations or really close to being able to convert. And it was just a, a really ugly series of events that uh, handed over a game that looked like it was going to be one that could go into overtime. Yeah, and and the the Bulldogs probably should have took their chances in overtime. Um, it, you know, who knows? The outcome might have been a little bit different. But in retrospect, the Bulldogs were favored to win by fourteen. So on obviously, honestly, it should have never got to that point, right, Jackson? I mean, you're favored by fourteen, but yet here you are again, second game in a row where the dogs are are favored to win by double digits and end up losing the game. I mean, it's it, it's really odd how the these games have kind of played out the this season. Yeah, and this was a, a game as well. The Bulldogs go up 28-14 and I didn't think at the time or at the time I felt that wasn't going to be good enough to win the game just because we've seen them squander you know, a 14-point lead against Hawaii with a whole the whole a lot less time than what was on the clock when the Bulldogs are up 28-14 here against Nevada. Uh, but at the same time, it's a situation where you're basically a stop and a score away from sealing the game. Um, even with 10-20 in the third quarter, that's when the Bulldogs took that lead. Um, it's pretty hard to give up a, a three-possession lead that late in the game. And Instead, Nevada answers right back with the touchdown, and the Bulldog offense goes flat. And all it took for the Wolfpack was one more score to tie, one more score after that to win, and that's what they did. And you know, the Bulldogs finished the game 25 minutes scoreless, outscored 21 to zero. It's just been, you know, it's been a team that hasn't been able to put it together for four quarters, even though they can go on a stretch like they did against Nevada. That was only. But 21 minutes long, I believe they outscored Nevada 28 to zero. They dominated the game for a third of the clock, and they basically got ran over the the other two thirds. And Nevada took advantage and got out of there with the one score win. And now the Bulldogs are are here uh, are going to have to play for the uh, what's called the the Valley Trophy now. So it against San Jose, uh, a team. That uh, on paper the Bulldogs should have been should be able to to handle, but with all the injuries and everything, the way things have been going this season, uh, this game is probably going to be another one of those close ones again this season. And you, uh, in in other words, you actually you get to see this or you know study this San Jose team more than anyone because it's another one of those teams that that you cover for twenty four seven. 
you know, what do you see coming out of the San Jose team and maybe their approach that they're going to take uh, uh, going against uh, Fresno State? Yeah, you know, I spent quite a bit of time in fall camp covering their practices and trying to get a feel for if they could improve. I mean, they'd only won three games the last two years combined with head coach Brent Brennan and his staff. And I feel like they've underperformed the previous two years. And uh, last season, they were a team that felt like they lost a lot of close games. They felt like they could have been a four or five win team last year and that they weren't very far off from being that successful. Um, this year, you know, I wasn't quite sure what the recipe or the improvement was going to be for them to get over the top, but they did really preach turnovers over the offseason. Um, in 2017, they were one of the worst teams ever, <laughs> I believe, in the turnover margin uh, on route to a one and uh, a two and 11 season that year. Uh, last season, they were pretty average. And this season, you know, it's it's hard to really coach that up, but they have been one of the best teams in the nation in both takeaways and preventing giveaways. And that's been a big part of their success this year. Uh, they've also been very effective throwing the ball, which I didn't see coming. Uh, Josh Love is a senior quarterback who has been there for a couple of seasons and has not really been the most successful. He's been benched a couple of times. He's been injured a couple of times. He's suffered a, a whole lot of sacks and had trouble getting things going. Uh, now he's one of the top passers in the country, which has been a surprise. Uh, he had a, a bad week last week with the four picks, uh, which doubled his interception total. He still only has eight on the year, but he's at 3,633 yards, 22 touchdowns. And it's not a team that is really designed to be an air raid or a, not a, quite a run and shoot like Hawaii, but that's the kind of stats that this team is putting up. It's been all through the air. They're one of the worst teams statistically in the nation running the ball. And I think it's just been a, a factor of the way that, They've found success. It's been with love passing the ball. It's been pass protection. It's been three really impressive receivers. Trey Walker, a junior, already has 1,000 yards. Uh, Bailey Gaither, their deep threat, is a senior, has 700, almost, 50, seven, almost 750 yards through the air. Uh, a freshman in Isaiah Hamilton has stepped up. He's almost got 700 yards. So they've been a really pass-happy team, and it's been effective. Uh, they got a, a win over... Arkansas on the road that led to a pep rally on the San Jose State campus. <laughs> really excited about that one. Uh, they've gotten a win over New Mexico. They beat an Army team by five, the same Army team that won 52-3 to three over San Jose State in the Bay Area. Um, so they've been able to get over the hump a couple times this season, but a lot of missed opportunities too. Uh, they lost on a missed field goal at Nevada. Uh, they really took Boise State to the brink and even held the lead in the fourth quarter, but ended up losing that one by 10. Uh, both San Jose State and Hawaii, when they played each other, neither team punted, I believe, the whole game. <laughs> Spartans ended up losing 42-40 in a shootout. And uh, again, last weekend, they're fighting for bowl eligibility at UNLV. Uh, they've got the ball inside the 10-yard line looking to score, and they throw an interception uh, they missed both. They missed out on both the overtime and the opportunity to win with that interception. So that was a real gut punch for them too. So it's a team that's pretty poor on defense all around, except for creating turnovers and uh, an offense that can pass the ball very well and can't run it very well. And I think it all sets up for a very high-scoring game where uh, Fresno State and San Jose State are both going to put up a lot of points, but. Um, 
you know, it's hard to tell who's going to have the advantage in the end. It's going to come down to who makes the critical plays. And you're talking about two teams that have typically both lost in those situations. So someone's going to have to come out victorious. And um, it may be a, a more of a factor of who loses this game for their team rather than who wins it. Yeah, it's going to be one of those where uh, they're going to go back and forth. And, of course, you know, you're you're saying they're one of those teams that uh, really struggle with the run. Uh, but how many times have we said that this year and then they the the opposing team has their best running game of the season uh, against the Bulldogs? So uh, do you see some of that happening possibly uh, against the Bulldogs since uh, defensively the Bulldogs have really struggled this season? You know, that's, it's been really rough for San Jose State. I think they're one of it's like six or seven teams that are averaging less than 100 yards. They're having, averaging less than 90 yards even on the ground this season. Um and one example is being uh, the game against Hawaii that they played earlier this year. Hawaii is one of the worst rushing defenses in the country. They've given up a whole ton of yards. And San Jose State had their best day, which was just 122 yards rushing. Uh, they do have a running back who they use almost as much as a receiver as they do as a running back with the John Packer. Um, he has been pretty active as a receiver, and they've kind of tried to run by way of passing in a sense with some of those short passes. But I mean, I would expect San Jose state to be over their average against the Bulldogs, but it's still relatively not going to be a ton of, of yards. I think if the Spartans are going to be effective, it's going to be mostly with airing it out. And we've seen Fresno state struggle with that aspect as well, whether they play a zone where they kind of give up the short passes all the way down the field, or if they play man, they've been really poor in man coverage the past few weeks. So I mean, this sets up well for the Spartans to move the ball, and I think it also uh, fits well for Fresno State to have a big day on offense too because the Spartans have a pretty poor defense as well, and you just get into one of these shootouts like the Bulldogs have played against a couple of teams, uh, Hawaii, Utah State, uh, Colorado State. A lot of these games have had that kind of feel to it where it comes down to the wire, basically based off of offense, and that's what I'm anticipating here, but one wild card could be the rain. If it's raining bad enough during the game, uh, that never really helps your passing attack. And uh, I don't think either team has spent much time really playing in the uh, the inclement weather this season either. So it's it's pretty much going to have to be a monsoon <clears throat> to kind of really change the outcome of this yeah. game. Um, yeah, if it rains bad enough where it's hard to pass, then I guess that plays in the Bulldogs' hands. Because <laughs> the, the Bulldogs, if they're expecting the run, they usually do pretty good between the tackles. But uh, when teams get balanced and spread out the ball, they can gash the Bulldogs to the ground too. So, yeah, and this is not like the NFL where you can actually fall down, slide for 10 yards, and, and, <laughs> and get back up and keep going. If you hit the ground, you're done. So <laughs> the the run game could be really affected uh, in this game if, if should it start to come down pretty good. Uh, I know I'll be heading for cover if it starts to come down really good uh, in, in this game. Um, I'll, I'll go find the nearest corner and just – head for cover um but uh this against san jose state the bulldogs you know theoretically should have a good game um offensively against them and and defensively should be able to 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 kind of make san jose state one-dimensional but you know if this ends up being a shootout right now the way things are kind of uh shaking out for the bulldogs injury wise in a in a straight up head to head shootout, who do you see with the advantage? The Bulldogs with all their wide receiver weapons, or or maybe uh, San Jose State, who actually has an offensive line right now. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I got to give the advantage to San Jose State, I think. I mean, uh, these are the kinds of games that both of these teams have lost, so um, something's going to have to give. But uh, Nevada, not a very good offense. They still went for 35 points on the Bulldogs. San Diego State, not a very good offense. They didn't score a ton against the Bulldogs, but a career passing day for Ryan Agnew and the the, uh, the Aztecs quarterback there. And this is a San Jose State offense that actually has some firepower to it. It's going to move the ball a lot easier, a lot more consistently, I would expect, than teams like Nevada and San Diego State did, who themselves had big days. And you know, Fresno State kind of seems to play to the competition offensively. They've had, except for the trip to San Diego State, which was ugly, they've basically been producing about the same throughout conference play for the most part, give or take a score or two. And I think it's going to be a, a similar thing. The Bulldogs will be somewhere in the 30-point range. And uh, I think the the door will be open for San Jose State to, to get over the top of the Bulldogs as far as which offense is going to outscore the other one. Yeah, so it should make for an interesting game, to say the least, if this one turns out to be a, a shootout. Uh, you know, we could see it kind of kind of going either way, depending on on um, if the, the Bulldogs can... I believe if the Bulldogs can get a running game going, this they should be able to kind of shorten up the game and, and play to the advantage of the Bulldogs uh, by just shortening up the game a little bit uh, and not allowing this the San Jose offense to, to get out on the field and, and pass the ball around uh, as much as they usually do, uh, which could you know work in the favor of the Bulldogs. But, you know, this is going to be one of those where it's going to be a wet game. It's going to be... Uh, a cold one uh, because it is a late game, right, Jackson? At 7 p.m., uh, I believe, is kickoff time. Yeah, it's going to be a 7.30 kickoff and uh, cold, rainy. Um, you know, I know there's going to be rain on Saturday. We, You know, you never know exactly what, how heavy it's going to be or sporadic it might be during the game, but the good news is uh, the Spartans, if you haven't been to their stadium in a while, they have installed turf. And that Fresno State's played a lot of muddy <laughs> games in that stadium, whether it was against San Jose State or in bowl games. But uh, those days are over. So while the players will have to deal with the cold and the wet, they won't have to deal with the muddy grass underneath them. Yeah, so it should make for uh, one of those games where uh, it's going to be very cold, very wet, um, a late game. And so it's going to be it's going to be a little bit harder to to kind of get things going uh, it's gonna it's gonna really make them uh kind of uh have to work for all their scores uh, to say the least in this one <laughs> um but that's pretty much it for for coverage against san jose state you know before we get off we've got of course we're, we're starting to to head into december because you know we've got uh thanksgiving coming around uh very quickly here uh tomorrow well thanksgiving so um it's it's almost that time where the recruits have to start making their decision. Another one uh, for Fresno State has just recently committed to Fresno State. That's part of our recruiting news right now. And, and what more do you know about this particular player, Jackson? Yeah, Bulldogs got a three-star commitment, which has uh, been rare <laughs> for this class, unfortunately. just uh, He's only the sixth of the class, so it's still been a, a late uh, class for the Bulldogs that you've with Coach Tedford, they've usually had a lot more at this time of year, and uh, they hadn't gotten one for uh, about a month was the last time the Bulldogs got a commitment. So it's been a slow 
producing class, but they did score one yesterday with Cameron Forrest. He's a three-star cornerback out of uh, San Bernardino. As uh, a neat connection, he is uh, cousins of the Fresno State basketball team's freshman phenom, uh, Jared Hyder, who's been putting up about 20 points a game recently. Uh, so there's a little bit of a connection there. Now, Forrest is also big because he had six other Mountain West offers and was trying to narrow things down between San Jose State, San Diego State, and Fresno State, all three in-state schools. And it's always good for Fresno State to win those kinds of battles. Um he currently ranks as the Bulldogs' third best commit in this class, so uh, a pretty solid get. It also definitely softens the blow of the Bulldogs losing Dejon Malone earlier this year, who was also a three-star cornerback at local Edison High School. Uh, he is decommitted from Fresno State, so uh, Forrest is actually rated a little bit higher. Uh, he doesn't have the measurables that Malone has, but it seems that he's perceived to have a little bit better ball skills at this point in his career, so... Uh, Fresno State kind of makes that replacement there and doesn't feel the the loss nearly as bad of losing Malone. But still, the Bulldogs sitting at, at six commits right now. They've got uh, what should be a small class, but a lot of scholarships still to go. And unlike the last two years, as mentioned, this should be a year where they're going to hold a lot of those going into January and February and uh, give us some more uh, fireworks and excitement to see uh, later into the recruiting cycle than we've had the last couple of years. Yeah, and and no, we're reaching we're reaching that uh, that time where the these players are going to have to make uh, their decisions. Do you do you anticipate maybe the Bulldogs making a last minute push to try and get as many players as they can before that the that December deadline uh, reaches? You know, they definitely have a few top targets, and they're going to have a lot of visits the first two weeks of December. Now, this is a year that. Um, because the Bulldogs are not in the Mountain West Championship game like they have been in the last two years, they can actually host official visitors But that weekend instead. Uh, they also don't have any conflicts with the bowl game, so they'll be having uh, two weeks of official visits there before the early signing period. So they will have all their opportunities they need to make those late pushes to try to get some last-minute commits there before the early signing period. But I do fully expect them to hold quite a few scholarships beyond that and kind of regroup and find some of these late uh, rising recruits as well that are putting out uh, kind of impressive and surprising senior film that maybe haven't been the top targets throughout the season. Um, and it's also going to be a case where, as mentioned, uh, like the Pac-12, all those schools have essentially what it seems like filled up their scholarships. Uh, a lot of them are over 20 plus. So a lot of these late recruits that Fresno State's going to be looking for are probably not going to be even able to be poached by some of these other schools. It's going to be a Mountain West battle for a lot of them, and uh, Fresno State should be in pretty good shape to, to get those kinds of guys late that they haven't even really attempted to go for the last couple of years. Yeah, so it, hopefully we can start to, to see some of these uh, uh, additional players before that December deadline reaches uh, start to make their last-minute choices and, and, and commit to Fresno State. And hopefully we don't lose any uh, in, in, in heading into this December deadline because that could also happen, right, Jackson? It could easily <laughs> go the other direction as well. Yeah, you know, the Bulldogs have already lost two in this class between uh, Malone, as mentioned, and Jaden Casey, of course, heading the Cal. Uh, those were not easy ones to take, but uh, Fresno State does have six commits on the board right now. Um, I think they're all pretty solid, and um, yeah, the, it is supposed to be a, more of a small class. The Bulldogs only recognized 18 seniors uh, on senior day last weekend, and a couple of those were walk-ons. So 
Um, not a whole lot of spots, but they do have plenty of them open still. And um, if they do lose one or two, it's just going to make it that much harder. But uh, I think uh, at least five of the six, probably all six, they, they should have all those guys uh, stick through and either sign in December, December or February. Yeah, so hopefully they'll be able to uh, add a few more into the into the commitment uh, window there for for the Bulldogs. But that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts on uh, on anything before we call it a day? That's yeah, been a, a tough season. It's going to come to a, a abrupt end here on Saturday. No bowl game, no conference championship, or none of that. But. Um, you know, I think there are some good signs for the future. I don't think this is a Deruder like spiral down. And uh, in our Wednesday special this week, which is uh, being posted currently, um, you know, earlier this year we kind of paralleled this team to being like 2014, a team that was uh, they didn't meet expectations, but they did make a run at the end of the season and got into the Mountain West Championship game. Uh, the opportunity for this team was fully there a couple of weeks ago, but. It's been more like the 2006 Bulldogs, I think, and looking back on that season, uh, a little bit different in the fact that Pat Hill really was unhappy. He took the Bulldogs off the helmet, uh, sat a lot of the seniors, and played a lot of the young players instead. Uh, this year's team has kind of had to do some of the similar things just out of necessity due to injuries, putting those younger guys on the field rather than a veteran group. But you know, that team, they opened up early with – Really heartbreaking losses against Oregon and Washington. Uh, Oregon was ranked uh, top 25 at the time, and then they finished with a 4-8 and eight record. And you kind of look back and say, wait a minute. Now, this was a, a team that had a lot of talent that took both of those kind of big-time schools to the brink. And they were 4-8, and eight, you know, like what happened? And I think there's some shades of that with this year's team. And uh, with the Wednesday special, we've talked to Damon Jenkins, who – is uh, that'll be posted for our uh, premium members on the insider board. He kind of reflects on to what happened in that season and how they were able to bounce back in 07, which was one of Pat Hill's best years. And I think that opportunity is there for this year's team. There's a lot of parallels now looking at 2006 rather than 2014. A lot of young players got that experience. They should have a lot of players back healthy next season, and there should be a I think the the question that remains is how driven is this team going to be? Are the leaders going to step up? Are they going to come together in the soft season? Because if they do, I think they've got all the talent in the world to bounce back next year. Um, but you do need that leadership where you can see teams continue to tank, like we saw the Bulldogs in 2015 or 16. So this is going to be an important off season. We're going to be covering the recruiting uh, heavily here the next couple months, and then it'll be spring ball where – which will be a big indicator of how these position battles, which there should be quite a few of them this year, how they play out. Um, the Bulldogs have shown themselves to spend a lot of time in the summer using their extra scholarships to recruit when most teams have usually packed up. So there will be still a lot of recruiting coverage to follow in with uh, the post-National Signing Day types of recruiting. And then before you know it, fall camp 2020 will be here. Uh, we still got basketball and a lot of other things to cover this season, but uh, still a lot uh, to go, even though football season is going to end on Saturday. 
Yeah, and it's uh, <clears throat> just because football season is ending doesn't mean it'll be the last that you will hear from us, uh, Jackson, right? We're, we're going to continue to try and, and put out some uh, the, this podcast in one form or another, um, whether it's going to be maybe on a bi-weekly basis after football season kind of shuts down, or we kind of fill it in with other sports and other news. But mainly, we're we're going to want to continue to kind of deliver as much information as we can, uh, whether it be Fresno State recruiting for football, uh, whether it be basketball news, baseball news, whatever. Anything that we can get our hands on that we can kind of help um, continue to deliver a podcast to you, we will. Uh, we, we may just take uh, you know a little bit of time off for the holidays of course right jackson and you know so we can kind of enjoy ourselves right <laughs> but but other than that we're going to try and keep doing our part to try and share as much as we can with you moving forward um you know we're heading into this last game against san jose state but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be the end of us that, that you will hear from uh so uh, any any other items that you have coming through the pipeline that uh, you want to share with everybody here? Yeah, you know, as mentioned, um, Cameron Forrest, the new commit. I've got my insider interview with him coming up. With uh, every commit, we try to reach out and we uh, do a full length interview, get to know them, play. Uh, we have the audio and the written transcript for all our subscribers. And uh, we do have some other features coming out of practice here this week that will still be relevant going forward in terms of looking ahead rather than just previewing this weekend's game. And uh, if you're not already a Barkboard subscriber, uh, Cyber Monday is coming up. And I highly suggest that you give the site a check on Monday and see uh, we may have a, a pretty big deal in store for you if you're looking to make that uh, switch to premium. Ooh, Jackson's got something up his sleeve here coming up uh, for everyone. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that for everyone. But, uh, you know, as we continue to move forward, I want to thank everyone for, you know, just being with us this year so far through all of our uh, episodes and everything. And, and of course, uh, before we get off, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving, which is tomorrow. This podcast will be up today, so it should be. Uh, there if you're listening to it before thanksgiving i want to wish everyone a happy thanksgiving um and join us again back next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of fresno state athletics